What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hoopplex, where we talk about basketball and wrestling unscripted and uncensored. My name is Jarrell Thomas. I'm Damon Creighton. My name is Jonathan Brown. And I'm Jalen Horn. All right, let's get this started right away. First things first, let's talk about the WNBA. I want to see who do y'all think is the best WNBA franchise of all time? Let's let's start with Damon. Who who do you, who's your pick? Um, so my pick, I was doing some research and I wanted to say that it was the uh, Minnesota Lynx. Um, they came in 1999. Um, they didn't have the hottest start, um, but I think really the dynasty really started in 2011 when the new coach and general manager came in, Cheryl Reeve. Uh, she was d- the Detroit Shock RIP, their assistant coach. And uh, since then, they've had the – she has had the highest winning percentage as a WNBA coach in history, um, has four Coach of the Year awards and one Executive of the Year. They've won four championships since 2011. They've qualified every year since 2011. Um, they've had four championships. Um, they have a 54% win percentage in regular season, 63% the playoffs and I feel like that's and they produced several rookie of the years um several uh Olympic players throughout their time and I think that's enough to call them one of the best franchises yeah I, I have to agree with you Damon um at first you know of course I my brain automatically went to my Detroit shot but then I'm thinking like nah then I'm thinking maybe it's the Sparks because you know they had Lisa Leslie and Candace Parker two of the greatest of all time but then looking at the links and who they had on their roster, they had Lindsey Whalen, Katie Smith, Simone Augustus, Rebecca Brunson, Sylvia Falls, and of course, Maya Moore. Like you were just talking about it. Like they have the most championships in WNBA history, most finals appearances in WNBA history. And this all happened from 2011 to 2017. Now they, they aren't as good, but they've still been a consistent playoff team since like 2018 so they, they're still in pretty good shape so I, I definitely have to agree that um yeah my pick my pick was the links too uh so what about you john um who i think was the best WNBA uh franchise organization uh you damn you do you did make a good point on the minnesota links uh, especially with them winning four championships so i'm gonna go for a different answer i'm gonna say the houston comets uh, before because they were the first dynasty of the WNBA, winning four straight championships when the league first founded. So they they uh, founded the, the dynasty in the WNBA, and they made dynasties such as the Los Angeles Sparks, which won two more after the history comments winning. And then you have the Minnesota Lynx winning four every odd every odd year from 2011, 2013, 2015, and 2017. So I believe the Houston Comets um are the best franchise organization. And they had Cynthia Cooper, uh, Cheryl Swoops, and Tina Thompson. So they had the offensive input to dominate the league for the first four years of the league. So they made sure that, hey, this is how an organization is run. And it made every organization after them running similar like there. So I believe Houston Comets are the best franchise organization. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, Jalen, you got a pick? I'm biased pick. You know, I love my shock. But uh... – and I heard you say that the um, you, the L.A. Sparks had the two greatest of all time. I don't know who that second one is. 
not Candace. Candace Parker? Not better than Diana. Not, not Diana. Anyway, I'm going with John on this one, bro. He had I, I wish I'd have went first, but it's the comments. Like, if you look at when the league first started, bro, Cheryl Swoops was like Jordan those first four years. Like, they won four. I know the league was small, but they won like four straight. And she was going like berserk. Like, that's like my only pick. And maybe the links because when they got, you know, they had the Simone Augustus, uh, Lindsay, well, that the, the little trio, whatever, with Maya Moore. I, I love that because of Maya Moore. But when she left to go, you know, save lives and all that stuff, it kind of went downhill. But honestly, like unbiased pick, I would say like the shock is up there. But they're more disrespected, though, in the case. But in, in reality, though, it's for me, it's Houston. Like they had Tina Tom, like they had some hitters, man. But Cheryl Swoops is like the the center of all of that. Even though she had her struggles late in her career, but those first four, I you don't see that that often. That's like Golden State type of time. So I'm going with the comment. Yeah, I, I I understand. I understand Houston. Um, but I think all four of us have mentioned this team. And I, I have to, I have to bring this up. Uh, last week I did say bring back the Detroit Shock. At this point, I'm I'm putting a hashtag on Twitter. It's time. But I, I have some concerns. Um, I was doing some research about what Tulsa and Dallas were able to do as far as who they had on the rosters, who they drafted, and whatnot since leaving Detroit. And I've compiled a list of the best players they had, which means they could have all been in Detroit. <clears throat> Cheryl Swoops, Carol Braxton, Tamika Johnson, Glory Johnson, Odyssey Sims, Skyler Diggins, Liz Cambage, Charlie Collier, Awake Queer, and could have possibly had Eric McDonald. They all could have and should have been in Detroit. Um, to to whoever was involved with that move to Tulsa, you are not seeing the pearly gates of heaven. I'm sorry. Detroit needed the we needed the shock. When the Pistons were bad, the shock were great. We we had a dynasty in the city, and they took it away to go to Oklahoma. I'm, I'm, I will never forgive you all for that. Um, I, I think it's time to bring the shock back Um, expansion draft. Like, go, go ahead. I don't it, it don't matter what city you could pick. You could put Sioux Falls, South Dakota for all I care. But just bring back the Detroit shock, like bring back two te- put bring two teams together. The shock has to be one. Um, it has to. They, they have to come back. I'm with the way the Pistons have been in the past few years outside of this year. I needed something in the city to help me cope sports-wise, and I haven't had that. So I, I just – oh, man. Y'all not seeing heaven. I'm sorry. We could have Skyler Diggins and Liz Cambage in Detroit. I'm I'm not over that. But, Jalen, with, with me, you, and Damon all from the city, I want to get hear your opinion first on whether or not they should bring back the shop. Uh, I don't want him back. It, I, it, I just don't feel like they would get any type of love, bro. Um, 
back in the day, like, they were legit like the opposite of the Pistons, bro. Like, they were the exact type of team. And then I think now building it, it's, it's going to take a long time to build them up. It'll look nice, though, down here at LCA, but will people go to the games? I don't know. Man. They'd have to have the exact same type of logo. Like, it, it shoot, they, be, they better call Bill Lambeer or something and get him out the league and bring – he can get a buyout wherever he's at. Is he with the Liberty or where is he at? Uh, he's with Vegas. Vegas with the yeah, Vegas. Get him a buyout. Oh, of course. They, that's why they were that good. Oh, yeah, Bill and Beers that dude, man. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it would go well because the Pistons suck. So like nobody even goes to see them play. So, but if they were, if they did come back, I'd be a little happy. But I wouldn't be mad if it didn't happen. Uh, Damon, what are your thoughts being the other Detroiter on the call? Um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of mixed on it. Um, as much as I would love the experience of getting to see the shot play again, I do think from where we are right now, building the franchise back up would be extremely difficult. And like he said, with the market of the Pistons being so bad right now, like because it it's literally like you could get like inner bowl like lower level seats for the pistons for like fifteen dollars and that still doesn't fill seats and i feel like we're on the up and ups for you know people becoming more aware and kind of taking the WNBA seriously but i don't know if we're there yet to start like putting them in the lca and expecting numbers right away especially if they're not good um and i wouldn't want to see them like end up getting shipped right back out because of like low attendance, but I, in theory, I would love for them to come back. Yeah, I, I, I see what both of y'all are saying. Um, like I, like I, I've said it in the first episode. This is really my first official season being a WNBA fan, so I, I definitely can see like they wouldn't get too much love. Like the way the Pistons are, like we had Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin, and we still couldn't attract good free agents. So I, I definitely do see that. Um, of course, you know, if it were to happen, I get season tickets, but I mean, it, it would be nice, but you know, having to sit through a I mean, not even a rebuild, just a build in general, it it, it could be rough. So I, I definitely see both sides to it. Personally, I I, I would love it. I I would. But uh John, do you do you, do you have any thoughts on the Detroit shop? Um I believe the WNBA shouldn't just bring back the Detroit Shock. I believe they should bring back all of the franchises that folded in 2002, such as um, Orlando Miracle, Miami Soul, the Portland Fire, uh, the Cleveland Rockers, and um, the Utah Stars. I believe they should bring all of them back. And the WNBA, they need expansion. Right now, we only have 12 teams where only 12 players are active on the roster. So in total, that's 144 players. And we only have 36 draft picks this year, and not all of those draft picks are going to make the team. And these players who, who are in college, they work hard throughout all the four years in college. They shouldn't make the WNBA and then be cut. And I believe the WNBA should be expanded and bring back all of the expansion teams um, that were a, a part of the WNBA, including the Houston Comets and the Sacramento Monarchs. No one should win a championship, and then a few years later, be folded or moves to another city 
and that like ruins the whole history of the franchise organization. So the Detroit Shock used to comments, uh, Sacramento Monarchs, Utah Stars, uh, Cleveland Rockers, Portland Fire, Miami Soul, Orlando Miracle, they should all be brought back into the WNBA and the WNBA will be expanded. Now a plan to bring all of those teams back, I believe um, all of those teams should like start in a small arena for like 5,000 fans or 10,000 fans. Um, don't put them in like a WN in a, a whole NBA arena where it's 20,000 fans, but the arena is empty. We understand that WNBA doesn't bring a lot of fans in the arena, but if you start them in a small arena, like the Mystics have with 4,000 fans, like the Mystics games is packed and loud with 4,000 fans in a 4,000 seat arena is packed and loud and it creates a whole different environment. And then now people are watching it. I'm like, Oh wow. This is like a live game. This is a very fun game. I want to go. Next, you know, we bring more fans in into a small arena. Now you have to expand to a bigger arena like 20 years later. So I believe we should bring those old teams back and put them in small arenas so they could build a market and make build a market, build a franchise organization that they can strengthen off of. Yo, that's real life. Like, that's actually a pretty good plan. Like, you you just that actually could work, but not like, I have a follow-up question for you. Like, cause I know we always talk about, oh, we'll bring back the Seattle Supersonics, but I couldn't see 32 teams in the NBA. Like I know like 30, like it's a two team difference, but I couldn't see it. If they did do a WNBA expansion, how many teams would you prefer to be in the league? Um, to, to be honest for me, I think it's just start slow. Like right now we have 12, uh, have like add two more in for like four or five years, and then um after that add two more, which is sixteen, and make it even, and then for like each five years uh add more teams into the or into the um the league. So make sure um after like certain amount of years we have thirty teams in the league, probably thirty two, which will be even better. Yeah, I could I could see that. I could definitely see that. Uh, let's move on to our final WNBA topic. And honestly, John and Damon, y'all are going to carry this because I don't know too many of the details, but talking about the Atlanta dream, they fired the GM, they have a new owner, they have a new coach. What, 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 what do y'all think about this? Uh, Damon, you want to go ahead first? Yeah, I can talk from the position of like the the, the coaching situation um so to my understanding majority of the players didn't know that the coach was leaving so that kind of came to a shock to everybody but thankfully I think what the the positive thing to pull from it is um the person taking over uh is the assistant coach and uh, he was a former coach, at, a successful coach at uh, North Texas. And he did tell the team that he did not plan on shifting any of the, like he did, he wasn't going to try to start like a whole new system now that um, the previous coach was gone. He's going to kind of try to keep things uh, on the same, on the same level. So it's not like just this huge culture shock now that she's gone. Um, I don't know too much about the GM situation. So Jonathan, can we talk on that? So the Atlanta Dream, they just got new ownership. Um, 
they went from Kelly Loeffler to like uh, from Kelly Loeffler being the owner of the team to um, Renee Montgomery being a minority owner of the team. My, Renee Montgomery used to play for the Atlanta Dream, which I think that's a great idea to have a former WNBA player uh, become an owner of the team, which is which is a rare opportunity because we really don't see WNBA legends nor players become owner of the team, which I think is a, a amazing opportunity for amazing opportunity for many more players in the future, like on the team that they used to play for. And um, and now the, six days after the draft, they fired a general manager, which is a surprising move. Like, how do you fire them? general manager who drafted all the players. I think that's a that's very weird. Like that's just weird. And now how's the season gonna go on if they want to make a trade to improve the team if they have like a missing knee to like advance to the playoffs or win a championship. So I think that's just a weird opportunity. And also um now the head coach Nikki Colleen left the job <laughs> in the middle of, uh, of a training camp to go to Baylor University. I think that was just a weird and like a sellout move. Like how you go to like, how you go to like be part of the draft, draft the players, tell them like, hey, if you work hard, you may make the team or I may cut you. And then in the middle of the training camp, you just up and leave. Like you just up and leave without telling any of the players and have the players find out through Twitter. That's just that's just very weird and like disrespectful, and I felt bad for the players. And um, the new uh, head coach, the interim head coach, Mike Peterson, which um, which I met personally um, through my yeah, job as a team attendant for the Washington Mystic. Um, I, he's a very nice guy. He's a very funny guy, very humorous, very interactive. Uh, he communicates with the players very well, and it seems like the players trust him. Uh, as they played the preseason game against the Washington Mystics. The Atlanta Dream played very well from the second quarter to the end of the game. They dominated. They uh, made the Washington Mystics defense collapse. They noticed that the Mystics were not hitting their open shots, especially in their open threes. So Atlanta Dream, they capitalized off of that. They were they went hard on the fast breaks, especially Ari McDonald. Ari McDonald, oh my, oh my gosh, like she's like she's not tall in height, but she has the speed to like make up for it. Like on fast breaks, like her speed is oh my! It's like she's like, it's like she's a track star out there. Like Usain Bolt is ridiculous. Like she was uh, Natasha Cloud was guarding against Ari McDonald. I, I like it was like it was so bad. Like Natasha Cloud is like second team All Defense WNBA. Like she's a very good defensive player, and Natasha Cloud couldn't guard Ari McDonald. It looks so bad. Like. It looked like my sister Taylor Brown was like beating Natasha Cloud. And Natasha Cloud literally said before, my like she couldn't guard my sister. My sister scored 31 points against her in college. So it's just I was like, wow, Ari McDonald, she is something. In Atlanta Dream, they proved me wrong in preseason game. The fact that they beat the Mystics. Like, which was surprising because I thought the Mystics were going to win by like 15. But the fact that they beat the Mystics and made the Mystics have a deficit, like when they were, Mystics were down by 17 points against the Dream. And I was like, this is crazy. So I think the Dream, they're going to have a strong season, even with all the adversity that's against the team right now. They're going to have a strong season. And I, and I expect them to make a playoff run, whether it's like the first round or second round.
You know, I just just because you mentioned preseason, I just forgot about this. So Wednesday was the first game of preseason between the Atlanta Dream and the Washington Mystics. But today, preseason truly, truly kicks off. We got Connecticut taking on Dallas. We got the Mystics going up against the Lynx. Las Vegas, they're taking on the Sparks. And then at six tonight, Phoenix is taking on Seattle. So it's official. WNBA basketball is officially back. It's going to be an exciting season, and I, I can't wait to see what more is in store. But that, that takes us to the end of the WNBA as far as what we're going to talk about today. Now let's move on to the NBA. And I'm going to ask John first, who is the most important player on the Brooklyn Nets? Um, the most important player on the Brooklyn Nets uh, it has to be um, Kyrie Irving. Uh, Kyrie, he's the point guard. He's the leader of the team. Um, the point guards are always the leader of the team. Uh, so he has to call up the plays on the floor, recognize the defense. Uh, he's the leader. He's the, like the team um, operates off of him. If Kyrie is not helping the team, the Nets won't be improving as a team and won't be winning many games. Yes, KD, he's a great player. He's a, a, a first ballot Hall of Famer when he retires. But Kyrie, he's the leader of the team. Like, he's the point guard. The point guard is the leader of the team, as I stated before. Uh, what about you, Jalen? Um, personally, uh, it's not Kevin Durant. Uh, I, I, I was thinking Kyrie, but now that I'm thinking about it, Ky- see, Kyrie doesn't really matter to me because – he doesn't his mindset about the game is different. He's gonna ball out regardless. But I feel like they need him to, you know, be locked in. But I'm gonna go with James Harden just to go against the grain because when it comes down to it, when they all play together, Kyrie isn't the point guard for most of the game. Like Kyrie's playing off the ball. So if James Harden is locked in, then it's good. Like Kyrie's gonna do his thing, so I'm not really worried about him. But it's just a James Harden that either is he going to be a facilitator when the playoffs start or is he going to go for 30, 15, and 10? Like, that's really it. But, yeah, when he comes back, he's probably going to play playing guard again. So we'll see. But it's a, it's really just between those two for me. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I got to – I have to say the beard. Um, It kind of it kind of pains me saying that because I, I, I spent so much time – dog in James Harden's playing style in Houston, but, you know, he, he has definitely been, like, the ultimate team player since he even got to Brooklyn. Like, he was doing basically the same thing he was doing in Houston, but he just seems a lot more involved in getting his teammates involved. And there's a difference between getting a bunch of assists and getting assists and getting your teammates involved. James Harden's actually getting the teammate his teammates involved when he's playing. And the biggest difference is how Brooklyn has been playing without him on the floor. Of course, Kyrie's going to go off. He's going to get his points. Of course, KD, he's going to go off when he plays. But KD been out, and Kyrie's missing games for personal reasons. With James Harden on the floor, when that big – just in general, Brooklyn went 27-7. and seven. Right now, without James Harden overall, Brooklyn is – below 500, 16 and 18 without James Harden. 
And I personally just don't think that without James, they win a title. I know they definitely going to go like at least two rounds in the playoffs, but I think James Harden is that piece that would make Brooklyn a championship team. I don't see Katie and Kyrie taking the title personally, but that that's just how I feel about it. But Damon, what, what, who do you think is the most important player in Brooklyn? Yeah. Um, so when playing, I think I would agree with James Harden. Cause like Jalen said, um, like Kyrie told him, you know, you, 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 you can run the point. Like I'm, I will, you do what you need to do. Cause like he said, he really surprised me. I didn't think he would be able to play like this. Um, with him on the, if with, when he's healthy, I would say that he would be the most important net, but if he does not end up being healthy come playoff time, I think the most important net will be Joe Harris because we know Kyrie Irving will go off. We know, KD, when he's healthy, will go off. But if they want to make a deep playoff run, they got to have a consistent third and fourth option. And Joe Harris will has to be that if they even think they can potentially make a run. So without Harden on the floor, I'd say Joe Harris. Without With Harden, I would say Harden. Definitely, definitely. Now, this next topic, um, I'm kind of on the fence about, but um, in regards to a specific player on the LA Lakers, um, I've been hearing a lot of people talking about LeBron. You know, this is year 18 for him. He just missed 20 games, six weeks worth of basketball due to an ankle injury. He came out himself and said that he'll never be 100% again. And he's been playing great basketball, but the Lakers right now, like, I don't really see them being salvageable. And I personally don't believe it, if so, right now. But people have actually been asking, are we seeing the decline of LeBron James? And personally, I don't think so. Um, I know that, like, with him not being 100%, that basically means the Lakers are not winning a title. Um, he, he, if he says himself, he'll never be hundred percent again. It's the Lakers. They, they with the wool, but LeBron has been playing great basketball this entire year, including when he came back. I mean, the most recent game he had, let's see, 19.7 boards, six assists. Uh, I think the first game he came back, he, he had 25, I believe. And then the next game he had 37. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. Um, I think Chris Broussard was the one who was saying that this is about to be LeBron's decline, but I, I just I don't see it. I mean, LeBron James is just that good. Like I've seen people saying that LeBron's career is going to be he's still going to be so good a few years from now to the point where him and Bronny going to be at the league at this in the league at the same time. I don't see that. I no stop it now. LeBron and Bronny are not going to be in the NBA at the same time. I'm sorry, it's not, but. I've been seeing Jalen's facial reactions, so I, I just got to ask you first. Like, what's, what's your thoughts on that, that take? My thoughts is that that guy can win championships in LA like Kobe. But anyway, personally, I, I truly feel like LeBron is just he's getting old. He's playing. He's, he didn't have a bad season, though, but let's just be honest here. That team sucks. Yeah. Like, that team isn't good. Like, last year's team had depth. I don't care what you say. You can call JaVale McGee a bum. You said Dwight Howard was a bum. They they had depth last year. So when you look who's on that team, Bron's the oldest person. He's the best player in the league. 
you know, whatever, quote unquote. Um, but he's not this year, obviously. But you got Anthony Davis, who's injury prone. We knew this coming in. He got hurt. Andre Drummond, I said it when he got there. I'm going to say it again. He doesn't matter because he can't He can't do anything. He He's a great double, walking double-double, and he can't rap. Trust me, I know he can't rap, but he, he he's not good in the court. Who else? I'm, I'm about to rant a little bit. Give me like 30 more seconds. Who else? Kyle Kuzma, you know, I just, he he's streaky, but it, that team just stinks, man. And I feel bad for Brown because he's getting older, and every year teams are starting to get better. And, and it's just like Phoenix. I won't be surprised they came out the West. Like, if we being, it's just so Clippers included. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I feel so bad. It's just, I wouldn't say he's declining. He's just doing this for that much longer. I give him like two and a half solid, maybe. But he's gotten hurt, so that first injury could lead to many. But that team just isn't good, bro. Like Mark Gasol, that team just sucks. So I feel bad for him because they're not gonna, they're not gonna make it that far. I, I I just feel bad for him. And Anthony Davis, it, go to hell. I mean, cause like, <laughs> because man, he can't stay healthy. Like he tripped over the scorer's table. Like come on, but I'm done with that one. All right, Damon, you not, you up next? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, do I think that he'll necessarily dec- necessarily decline? Like statistically, probably not. Um. He will probably continue to grab like an easy like eighteen or so, but I do think he will take more advantage of resting because over the last few years resting is becoming a kind of more of a normal thing, and he's usually been the one that's like, oh, I'm still I'm gonna play, I'm gonna still play. With that injury, I think that is definitely gonna have an impact on them. But like Jalen said, like they ha- they don't have depth and majority of their quote-unquote better players are all one-dimensional big men because you have well Anthony Davis would be the most like kind of all around but like you said he has he's been injury prone since he was in New Orleans um and then you have Trez who's a big but he's six foot nine um and then Andre Drummond is good for no one uh and they, I, they just, yeah. So I think he, he probably got maybe two more years because he, he's given as a player that once he realizes he can't get that consistency anymore, he just will retire. I can't imagine him like playing till he like isn't efficient anymore. Mm. All right, John. What, what do you, what do you think about LeBron this season? Um. Uh, this shows that you know this that LeBron's career it is ending, but I believe he would end his career on a high note. I think he would end his career not going to the playoffs. I think he would end his career on a high note by, by either having a deep playoff run or winning another championship, his fifth one. Uh, I believe he won't go. He won't go out like like a loser. I mean, yeah, the Lakers have declined this year compared to last season, but I think LeBron will go out strong. 
uh, whether it's a deep playoff run or like they lose in the conference semifinals or conference finals. But I think LeBron's going to be okay. Yes, he may not be 100% again, but he's not going to go out like a loser or not qualify for the playoffs. Well, speaking of the playoffs in the Lakers, um, so as of last night's loss to the Portland Trailblazers, the Lakers are officially the seventh seed, meaning they have fallen into the playing contention. And looking at how things are scheduled for the play-in, the Lakers are not going to come out. I'm sorry. Because in the play-in tournament, they are scheduled to play the Golden State Warriors. And I know that there is no Klay Thompson. But if LeBron's not at 100% and you got Anthony Davis tripping on air and Kuzma, and Drummond, who, I mean, I, I used to like Drummond when he was on the Pistons, but, you know, coming to look at him now, he's just empty stats. They are not beating Steph Curry. They're not. Steph, Steph is going to walk all over the entire Lakers franchise, and it's really going to sting to see that, you know, just, just thinking about LeBron's career, it, it's just going to sting seeing that. Steph basically kicked LeBron while he was down, but I'm sorry. The, La the Lakers are not coming out of the plane if they face in Golden State. Um, when it comes to the, the other side of the bracket, it'll be Memphis versus the Spurs. And I really don't know. Um, I mean, Memphis, they, they have great young talent. Of course, John Morant's going off. Triple J is going off. Dylan Brooks is having a good season. Even Grayson Allen is having a great season, and I hate Grayson Allen. But he he even he's been productive. Uh, on San Antonio's side, they just lost um, Marcus Aldridge to Brooklyn, then retirement. Um, DeMar DeRozan, he's been playing great. Uh, Lonnie Walker and DeJounte Murray, those guys, they're, they're playing okay. But I, I have Memphis coming out. Um, and then looking at the East – the Wizards are beating the Pacers. There, there's no other. There's no discussion. I'm sorry. Um, no, there, there is no way that Russell Westbrook and Brad Beal lose to the Pacers. And then, between Boston and Charlotte, I think Boston will pull it out. But I love Charlotte, man. And I, I, I would love to see Lamelo Ball and Miles Bridges and all those guys go off and just destroy Boston and make it to the seventh seed, and I'll be fine with the first-round exit, but I really want to see the Hornets. So my picks are Memphis at eight, Golden State at seven, in the West and in the East, I have Washington at eight, and Charlotte at seven. But let's see. Damon, what what are, you, what are your thoughts about the playing? Um, yeah, I agree. The, the the Warriors are red hot right now with Steph Curry leading the charge. I think he's averaging like 30 points right now, which is ridiculous. Um, they're, uh, they're young and they're playing with the fire under them. I, there's no way. There's no way that the Lakers beat that team. Um, I do also agree Grizzlies will pull it out. They're also really young. Uh, the Wizards, 
I don't know. People keep doubting Westbrook, and every single time he just keeps proving that he's like a force to be reckoned with. And him and Beal, him and Beal, they're they're I was gonna say they're no doubt they win their game. And what was the other one? It was Boston and Charlotte. I don't Boston and Charlotte. That's like the I think that's the biggest toss up for me because Charlotte's been pretty good all season, but it's like Boston, they'll either like blow somebody out or they just look so bad. They're like really inconsistent. So it's like it really depends on uh what kind of night it is. But at the team, it's really hard for me to bet against uh, bet against Boston. So I think I'm gonna have to say Boston. Uh, John, I, I know that you're excited about these Washington Wizards, so uh, you can start off about talk, – talk, talk to me about the East before you <laughs> – let's talk about this East play. Okay. Um, I think – I think the Wizards are definitely going to beat the Pacers more recently. So, Buzzing and Bill together, we're unstoppable right now. We have great defense, great rebounding help from uh, Daniel Gafford and also uh, Robin Lopez and Alex Lynn down the post. Um, Bill and Westbrook are already going off. Um, I'm so happy for the Wizards, man. We started 0-5. We started the season 0-5, bro. I thought everything was over. I was, I was, like, sitting on the court like, man, we are not going to make the playoffs. We are just not going to make the playoffs. Like, I, I'm coming here every day, um, not spending time with my family, getting a COVID test, and spending all day all day at the arena, and we're not winning. And now we're winning, and I'm just so happy for my brothers. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. I've never been so proud of my life. And now we have Boston and Charlotte. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough battle because recently Charlotte did beat Boston at home. Um, so I think that's going to be like a down to the wire game, like last possession. If everyone's all healthy, everyone plays very well, especially Kimba, because we never know with Kimba Walker. He's like good some games, and then he's like mediocre. And it's like, well, what are we doing, Kimba? What are we doing? So I think that's, that's going to be down to the wire. Uh, but I think Boston is going to pull it out because it's the playoffs. Um, Brad Brad Edwards, he's a genius at coaching. Like he's going to do something that we never, like he that we never even saw coming, and he's going to make a play that has like 1,000 IQ, and we're just like astonished by it when we see a replay of it. Um, now we're going to the West. I, I think it's going to be um, Lakers. In Memphis, uh, I think the Lakers they're gonna get their they're gonna get their stuff together, and then they're they're going to be going to state. I understand Steph Curry is hot right now. Steph Curry is Steph Curry. He's amazing. There's nothing you can describe him as. He's so different. He's one of the greatest shooters of all, and not one of the greatest shooters of all time, if not the greatest shooter of all time. Um, but I, but I don't think Steph Curry is gonna have a lot of help because Jane Wiseman is out. And then you never know with Andrew Wiggins, too. Andrew Wiggins, he could be good some games, but he could also be mediocre. So it's like, what are we doing? But I think the Lakers are going to get it together for that playing game. And then Memphis, you got John Morant and then Dylan Brooks. John Morant, he's, he, he, he's, 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 he's that guy. John Morant is that guy, and he's going to go off. Um, 
So I think, and plus, they were eliminated from the play-in last year in the bubble. So John Morant, he's, he's hungry this year. He's very hungry. He wants to be in the playoffs. He wants to show that he's that guy. He can lead a franchise that was that's been struggling for many years, and he could that he could turn this franchise around into a deep playoff run. And I I I agree with you on everything, but Lakers versus Golden State, man. Because ah, I, I I just don't see the Lakers getting it together. I I don't. Um, I mean, Golden State, they were near the bottom of the conference. And because of Steph alone, they're in eighth seed right now. So I, I don't – and this this has been all season long. So I don't I don't think anybody is going to torch that team. Like, I think Steph is going to torch the Lakers. But, Jalen, what, what are your predictions on the play-in? Uh, Lakers. What? See – I want the Lakers to lose. Like, I trust me, I really do. Uh, but if they lose, it'd be bad for the NBA. So, with that being said, go Warriors. I think this – go if Stephen Curry is hot, man, and L.A. doesn't get it together, like you said, it's going to be really hard for them to win. But the Lakers shouldn't lose that game. Uh, it's no, They shouldn't lose that game at all. But at, I can't – it's 50-50 for that one. Memphis versus San Antonio – I'll go Memphis. I'm I'm a big John Morant fan. I think he has what it takes to lead them out the play-in. And, you know, maybe down the line a couple of years, they make a run. So I'll say probably – And I, that Lakers and Warriors game is tough to pick, man. All right, I'll go Warriors and uh, Memphis. Either way, the Steph's, they're going to win a championship next year anyway, so I don't care if they lose or not. But – Warriors in uh, Memphis. Yeah, I said it. Wait till my boy comes back. I said it. Um, in the East, you got uh, who you got? Boston and uh, Charlotte. Yeah. Man, these are tough. I love I love Boston, but just for the antics, I love watching the Hornets play. So I really hope they somehow win that. Uh, the Wizards are going to be the team to be scared about in the East. And just hear me out when I say that. Even though Russ Brooks, my guy, he's starting to get it together. He's been getting disrespected the past two weeks, months. Bradley Bill, that team is actually sweet. They just took, you know, months to get it together. And, and they're hot. Nobody should want to see them in the first round. I'm not saying they're going to run it, but, like, you don't want to see Russell Westbrook like this. And Bradley Bill's finally – he's finally got him a point guard again. So – I just like Washington is going to probably win that game against the Pacers, but yeah, I, Washington is my team. That's I, that team's grown on me this season because they had too much adversity. And yeah, yeah, John, I'm with you on this one. Y'all got y'all got a good point guard over there now, so I'm, I'm good. Go Wizards. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I sound like I, I agree with the whole go Wizards thing, and like I know they are going to be a scary team, but. You know, when they beat the Pacers, because I'm calling they're going to beat the Pacers. They're going up against Philly in the first round of the playoffs. And if Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have been anything like they've been during the regular season, it's that's that's tough. That that's that's tough for Washington. Like I believe in Russell Westbrook. I love Russell Westbrook. I love Bradley Beal. But 
Joel Embiid is playing like the MVP, even though Jokic is going to win it. And Ben Simmons, he's still doing what he do, just not shooting. Danny Green is Danny Green. Tobias Harris, you know, he's going to play like Tobias Harris. I'm, that actually will be an interesting series, honestly. I, I could see that possibly going to seven, honestly. But... Yeah, the, the Wizards, now that I think about it, actually are kind of scary. So um I'm I'm going to give the Wizards an apology for not for, for losing hope. I I lost all faith and hope in the Washington Wizards. Um of course I was always gonna be for Russ, but you know I was just relying on Rui Hachimura for a while, man. That that's all, but they, they, they're pretty good. But that brings us to the close of our basketball conversation. And on the wrestling side, this this is going to be a very interesting wrestling episode, part of the episode. The first topic we're going to talk about is some talents that WWE wasted. And I know it sounds like we all hate WWE because we always bash them. We don't hate WWE. We love WWE. But they just do some stuff that's illogical. Like, we're going to get on AW2. Don't worry. We're going to get on TNA. Oh, I got plenty to say about TNA. We're going to say that for another episode. But I just want to – matter of fact, you know what? Let's see. Let's start this off with Jalen. Tell me somebody that you think WWE wasted completely. Are we going like from recent release or like just like that I've seen that you've seen? Man. Honestly, dude, I got about like three. Um, I mean, but the, the one of them, they the two that I'm gonna say had a run though. Uh I believe they dropped the ball with Kurt Angle because when he left and went to TNA, it was like I don't want to see Jesus on resurrection. He, 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 he went, it was Kurt Angle 2.0 in TNA. I feel like they didn't give him enough time to, you know, work. Cause I think they sent him to ECW that last run. And then it kind of went left from there. Uh, you know, my next guy, CM Punk. CM Punk was like, they, he, he was like a modern day stone cold when it came to like going against the grain. But they gave Stone Cold a lot more leeway. And when CM Punk was saying what he wanted, I hate because I feel like my grandma had it. She got tripped now. Like, you know, Triple H, when he's like corporate, it was just like he didn't like CM Punk. And CM Punk was, he was well over with the crowd. Like CM Punk was like the guy, he's a pipe bomb. And lastly, this this third one is gonna kill y'all, man. Mr. Kennedy, right? <laughs> Cause I was giving y'all two this is for all you, you know, you young bloods listening, you know, man, yeah, Mr. Money in the Bank, WrestleMania 23, Mr. Kennedy, right? Even he in interviews, you watch what he says. Vince didn't want to push him or however it was the system they didn't want to. Push him, and he is he's on the mic now. He had potential like that when he went to TNA. He was doing the Aces and Eights thing, Mr. Anderson. Like, 
W, not to keep going, but those are like my three. But that third one, I need. If you don't know who Mr. Kennedy is, look him up and look how WWE slowly got him up out of there, and then look at his running TNA. But those are my three, bro. I because I just realized like the whole thing about Mr. Kennedy. I know why it didn't happen because I know like y'all remember that whole thing where like Vince had like an illegitimate son and it turned out to be like Hornswoggle. It was supposed to be Mr. Kennedy, but I guess it was like that match between like Randy and John versus the entire Royal roster and like he had accidentally dropped Randy on his head and they just blackballed him. So that's that's why he got wasted. Yeah, make sure y'all look yeah. that guy up. If y'all know who he is, look him up. Yeah. Uh all right, Damon, give, give me yours. Yeah, I also have three that instantly come to mind. Um one is they could still do something, but they definitely dropped the ball with once he got to the main roster. But one of my current favorites is uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, he was so dominant in NXT. And then he comes up, they get this big grand entrance with the violin. He gets this nice run, wins the rumble. And then they just completely just – they just screw him from then on because he – I think he first lost to Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam for the title. And then he finally gets to WrestleMania, the rematch between him and AJ Styles, and then he does the low blow. Then they get the rematch, Money in the Bank. Then they get a double countout. And he loses every single attempt. And then after that, then they just – drew him out and he's just kind of slid into the mid card. I think, I think he won one intercontinental championship and then they just paired him with Cesaro randomly. And then they just weren't anymore. I think that really, I just thought he really had a lot of potential to be something, but they, and he still could, but the initial momentum was gone. Um, another one is a uh, Murphy buddy Murphy. Um, he is an incredible wrestler and pretty good talker. I think he could have easily been, like, a, a good upper mid-card, like, uh, an intercontinental or U.S. champion or something. But I'm like, bro, y'all letting this man ride. First, y'all almost let him. He was making moves in the 205 Live, and then they brought him to the main roster, paired him with Seth Rollins, which I thought they were really going to do something with, and then he just disappeared again. And then the last one that actually got released – was um Pac, Pac, or Neville. I don't know why when they brought him in, they made him this bright-eyed baby face, but that man is born to be a heel. And they just made, in that show, when they finally brought him to the, the king of the cruiserweights, that man had the ability to be, like, a real legitimate champion. But they just literally just he brought him up and then he had him losing to Enzo Amore. I would have I would have walked out on the company too, losing to that clown. And then here he is dominating in AEW. Could have easily been doing this in WWE, but they just treated him like a joke. Yeah, I, I just decided I'm gonna go last because that that low key just reminded me. I'm I'm low key kind of pissing off about Pat, but uh. John, you who 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 was wasted by WWE? 
who was wasted by WWE. Um, first, I would have to say Tyler Breeze, if y'all don't remember him. Tyler Breeze had a decent run in NXT, and I believe he formed a tag team with Fandango. And I was like, okay, you know, two flamboyant guys creating a tag team. Okay, I see something with it. I can see that decent run. And nothing happened. And I'm like, like, they just brought him up to the main roster for nothing. And then I believe they sent him back down to NXT. And then, like, I haven't heard anything, like, spectacular of him ever since. So I would have to say Tyler Breeze. Uh Another one I would have to say is uh, Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode came from TNA, where he, where he had like, an amazing run in TNA, like one of the faces of TNA, dominating run. Then he, then he, um, he went to NXT, was the NXT champion, had the glorious gimmick, and it was, it was amazing to see. Like, okay, he is glorious, got the, the robe and everything. Like, okay, so I'm expecting when he gets caught up to the main roster, He's going to get an intercontinental run and then become like a world champion run, like have a world champion run. That never happened. I've never seen him like in a, a, a number one contenders match or anything. Like he's with a tag team with Dolph Ziggler, which, which is pretty cool now. But I was expecting like a world championship run yeah. with Bobby Roode because Bobby Roode, he, he's Bobby Roode. He's that guy. And a third person I would have to say, the WWE wasted a third person. Um, that they wasted. Uh, oh yeah, I'll have to say Neville. Neville, because I remember when he had um the the championship match against Seth Rollins on Raw, and the whole arena was was cheering for Neville. And ne- Neville, he could also when he was on uh, the heel too, like he was evil, and I was like, I love it, because. Like he was a bad guy that everyone can love, and he can play that that heel role so well. Even when he's in AEW now with, as, as Pat, like I'm still rooting for him because he can play the heel role so well. Well, that's y'all's three. Um, I'm actually might get a little pissed off when I talk about my list. Um, the first one I have is Lance Archer. Um, it's so bad because I even forgot that he was in WWE, but. They did him so dirty. First of all, they put this man on ECW, which was no comment. And then they they gave him the worst music anyone could have ever dreamt of, and like that that is everyone's nightmare. Um, for those of y'all that played SmackDown vs Raw 2011, y'all know what I'm talking about. That music was hot garbage. They gave him a weak finisher. Then they put him with. Kurt Hawkins in a tag team was they wasted that man. Like, look at what he's doing now in AEW. Like, he's legit one of their best. So I, I don't understand that. My next one is um is Eric Young from TNA. Uh that, that was my guy in TNA. Like I, I loved Eric Young. Then they bring him to NXT and they put him in sanity. And sanity doesn't do much. Then they get to the main roster. And then they go from not doing much to not being on TV at all. And, like, you just got Eric Young and catering and, like, nah. And then um, the last guy, this this is going to ruffle some feathers. Um, 
So it, it really blows my mind because this guy was literally ranked by PWI as the best wrestler of 2020. Um, John Moxley, known to the WWE world as Dean Ambrose, was heavily, heavily wasted. Um, this man was one of the most extreme and charismatic individuals before WWE. Then they bring him to NXT. And the first thing they did to ruin this man, he was doomed from the start because they named him Dean Ambrose. That is the worst wrestling name I've probably ever heard. Like, I'm I'm sorry. Like, no, no. How are we supposed to take somebody with the name Ambrose seriously? What What is Ambrose? Like, I'm supposed to take this dude seriously. This man's name was Dean Ambrose. Like, John Moxley sounded so extreme, and then we just go to Dean Ambrose. Then, you know, they bring in the shield. The shield was great, but then they have his hair slicked back for God knows why and tell us that he's crazy, but he's like the most calm and technically wrestling individual ever. The only thing crazy he did was a suicide die. Then they break up the shield and they say, oh, well, he's the lunatic fringe. First of all, what does that nickname even mean? I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Like, then they think, okay, well, maybe he's gonna do some hardcore stuff. And the most extreme thing he did was squirt ketchup and mustard on Kane. He gets a hardcore match with Brock Lesnar and WrestleMania, and we're thinking things were looking up, and he gets buried. Then that heel, listen, that heel turn in 2019 was the best. Like that, it was perfect. Like Roman announced he was retiring because of leukemia. Well, not retiring, but he was leaving because of leukemia. And then, you know, Dean and Seth, you know, the two members of the shield, like they, that that's Roman's boys. They win the tag titles. And then Dean turns on Seth. That was perfect. And then everything afterwards just sunk. Like he just, he said, oh, well, I turn heel because you people stink and I, I got a vaccine shot in my ass and I'm wearing a gas mask to the ring and I'm just going to add sirens to my music, which already was bad enough. But now I'm just going to add sirens to piss you all off. Then they had that weird thing with him trying to flirt with Nia Jax. Then that whole little thing with EC3. That was actually kind of funny. Like that that little promo, he was like, where are EC wanted to? That that was actually funny. But then they did absolutely nothing with it. Then this man got buried by Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush at his last appearance. And then he goes to AEW and he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. So dropping the ball is an understatement. That that man should have been him. He should have been himself. Like he said in multiple interviews that, like, when he took his time off, it was because of depression, because the writing team was so bad. And it's gotten even worse since he left. So he he was right to leave. But th- those are my guys that um, WWE wasted. Um, be- between the four of us, I'm just realizing, like, yo, they really had some fire guys on their roster and blew it. Like, man. But – since since we have been talking about WWE negatively, I wanted to bring a positive topic. So y'all I, y'all don't y'all can't say that we all anti WWE. We have decided to give y'all our top three WWE theme songs of all time. And this this was this was the toughest thing I ever had to do. So 
Hmm. I'm I'm gonna go first. Um, at number three, I got Edges Thong. I I can't think I can't never pronounce the name because I don't ever want to say it wrong. But that song is different. Like, and you listen to the full version, like that that intro itself is just fire. Like, you know that song goes crazy. Number two, I got Batista. I Walk Alone is one of the most. It, it's a bop. Like. These songs I I actually listen to. I'm I'm not embarrassed to say that I actually listen to these songs. That song is going hard since the moment it debuted. Like the first song he used, like it was basically like a, uh, like a, not not cover version, like the an original version before the song came out, and it was okay. But then when you change the pitch and then you add the lyrics. And it just became a smack. Like even Xavier was like every single time Xavier was hears the song, he'd be going crazy. And that's how that's just how it is. And then number one, I couldn't pick. So I, I just put this one wrestler in both of his songs at number one. I gotta go with CM Punk. Um this fire burns is, is a bop, but cult of personality is just different. It just hits different. Like, let alone it's a black rock band. Like we got a black artist that it was it was perfect. It it fit him hundred percent. Like CM Punk never had bad music. All of his music fit him. But cult of personality, like that that is my that's my top. That's my favorite. I I cannot that the song just goes so hard. Again, it's a black rock band. It it just has everything. But that that that's my three. So uh, let's see, Damon, what's what's your top three? Like you said, this was so difficult. Um, but instantly, the three that came to my mind, the number three was um, Burning My Light, which was the legend killer um, entrance for Randy Orton. Like, that was just such a perfect one for him. Like, it just really gave off, like, this dickish, like, cocky. And it just fit so well. And it, I, I love that one. Um, number two. Uh, rolling, uh, biker taker, coming down thing that that big old motorcycle, man, that was so nice. And even when they partnered it with Kane, and then like it had like the like the um, like Kane a little bit of Matt Kane song, and then it just hit rolling. He's he's running around. The, oh, that was just. But number one, undeniably, like I instantly was like, oh, yeah, this is the best one. Slow chemical, Kane's. His like psych that psycho came music. Um, the only one that has like lyrics with it because every time I hear it, I just think about the entrance where he's coming down, chained up. He's like got like the mask on. Him. They got people escorting him down. Thing like that is like one of the hardest entrances of all time. Dang, that's crazy because I really didn't think about any of those. That's that's I'm mad at myself for that, but I, I want to hear Jalen's for sure. Um, my three at number three. Man. Oh, this was this was not a fun list to make, bro. All right, mm-hmm. I'm going with I'm going with uh with Chris Jericho. That's a reach, but when that, I don't care if he came back in 2050. If you you hear the countdown, you know who it is every single time. He's coming to save the world. And that whole Y2K thing, that's probably, to me, I said this on Twitter, that was the best, you know, build up that I've probably seen 
Uh, number two, Rolling by Undertaker. You know that's one of my favorites. Real, you you know that's my favorite. That's my number yeah. two. And number one, oh, please do not give me cancel for this. Please, please, please. No cancel Oh. This is the hardest. This is the hardest theme song in WWE history. Oh, insane. No pun intended. No word he about to say. Chris Benoit has the hardest theme song in WWE history. I don't care. I don't, it beats out the, the, the Shawn Michaels rant. I don't care. Chris Benoit has one of the hardest theme songs ever. Whenever you hear it, you, and I don't want to say go crazy because you know he had his little woo, but <laughs> not, not going wood, but Chris, <laughs> yo, that, I don't care where I hear that. I played that song in the car one day. I was doing 150 on the lodge. Oh, I'm going to get canceled for this one. But that Chris Benoit one, hey, say what you want. I'm going to be the one to say it. People want to say it. And he was a good wrestler. But that theme song is legit. That's my number one. I think I just scared John. But that's my number one. Look, I thought it. I just didn't say it. Look, like, okay, I will give my quick opinion on Chris Benoit. And then I'm going to let John give his, his, his top three. I mean, Chris Benoit, he had a banger theme song. He was a great wrestler. So I give him his respect in that regard. But the way he ended his life is Oh, yeah. I don't condone any of that to all you listeners. But will I play his theme song at my wedding? Yes. Yes. Uh, Yo. Yeah, but like we that what he did was unacceptable, unforgivable, man. That's oh boy. Um, he yeah, I felt I I thought it, but Jalen said <laughs> that's how that's how we gonna do this. But John, kick ending this off. Who? What are your top three WWE theme songs of all time? All right, number three. I'm gonna have to go with uh, John Cena's. Uh, my time is now. Uh, one, he rapped his own theme song. Like no, nobody has thought of that. And plus, that theme song actually charted. Two, we actually hear it. Everybody knows who who it is, and everybody goes crazy. Everybody just goes all crazy in the arena. No matter if they cheer him or boo him. When they boo him, the boos fill up the whole arena. Like everybody is like, boo. And then when they cheer him, all the little kids, they go crazy. They they scream. They and it hurts your ears. And you're like, oh my God. And it just fills up your whole body. You go crazy. But number two, I'm gonna have to say the rock. The rock, if you smell what the rock is cooking. Whether it was the old one or like the new one, the edited one, it it gets your attention. You go crazy for the rock. You know who it is. You go crazy for, it. and then da 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 da. Once you like watch his WrestleMania entrances, it feels like you're there. It feels like you want to go in this fight and fight for the rock. It's like, ah, uh, it's it's just something you just can't describe with words. 
And then number one, I'm surprised that none of y'all said this, but it's the most recognizable theme song, theme song of all time. Stone Cold Steve Austin. When the glass break, everybody goes crazy. Everybody, they just go crazy. They, Everybody knows who it is when the glass breaks, especially with that WrestleMania 13 entrance. When um he broke the when he broke the uh, Austin 316 glass against Bret Hart, that's that's when you know like oh like it perfectly went well with this theme song. The glass break, everybody just raises their arms up in the air, they just scream what's top of their lungs, and they just go crazy. That's Stone Cold Steve Austin number one, especially when he was a heel and had the lyrics in the song. You you want it, it was like uh, heavy metal in it. You're like okay okay Stone Cold. I'm gonna say Stone Cold number one. Yeah, we we all had some pretty good lists, but that that was real hard. Uh, I have to give an honorable mention. I don't know if y'all have one, but I gotta give one. Uh, I gotta say AJ Styles, man, because I mean, just just me being a DMX fan, man, like hearing the influence that that definitely made my day. And then like his debut when nobody like everybody was confused, then it built up, like. The debut may help make it what it was, honestly, but it just fits him. Like you, his music in TNA was always a bop, but did it just hits different? That that, but that's my honorable mention. Uh, did, did either of y'all have one? Yeah, I got one. Um, Darrell, I actually just sent I sent it to you the other day, but it, I saw it came across my Instagram. Came across my Instagram read uh, Ray Mysterio's first his first theme with the who's that jumping oh. out the sky and it's like the actual rapping dog that was so sweet he comes jumping out yeah. the um jumping out the uh jumping out the bottom of the thing though that used to give me soul hype but yeah that's that's definitely my honorable mention uh shoot that's a that's that old WWE he had the interest in the game too but um I only Jeff Hardy's theme, but not the one in WWE. The TNA Jeff Hardy when he was a heel. That I, I like that one, but I wouldn't put it in my. If we talking WWE strictly, my fourth one was going to be Shawn Michaels because that's him. That's him and Jimmy Hart in the background saying that, you know, the ad libs and stuff. But before I leave, if any of you out there make beats, I need that Chris Benoit sample. I'm I'm so serious. We're, we're gonna get canceled because of me. But <laughs> I, I need that Chris Benoit sample, man. Because <laughs> bro, you can I'm telling you, if uh, any, if you listen to that song from the intro, uh, whoever that is moaning in the background, God bless. Because y'all set that up perfectly. You look good, okay, Chris. I, I <laughs> All right, what? All right, so what? I, I'll say this: I I will flip it. I will make it unrecognizable, and I will try, bro. I I will try. I I will, I will make it completely. If you unrecognizable say that, I guarantee you, I will kill the charts. No pun intended. Lord Jesus, like that sent like. Knock on wood. I will kill the charts, literally. No Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, boy, John, what's up? 
you you know you bogus. Which I wish your what's your honorable mention? My honorable mention uh would have to be um yeah, CM Punk's uh cult of personality. Like that fit well. That fit well with his uh his gimmick because it showed that CM Punk he's the leader of the WWE. He's a cult of personality that you should worship. And people were literally worshiping CM Punk, especially when he had the ice cream bars. Everybody was literally want they wanted those ice cream bars so bad. So and plus when CM Punk, whenever he's in Chicago and they play that theme song, people would just go crazy for CM Punk and they would just chant his name over the theme song. And it's just CM Punk is my honorable mention. That entrance at uh, Money in the Bank when he faced John Cena in Chicago, bro, that yeah. crowd was Man, forget nuts. that match, bro. <laughs> what was so bad about it? <laughs> John Cena's my favorite wrestler of all time, bro, so I, I took offense to that match a lot. Um, But I'm going uh, to head out, though. I got to go do these things. But if all you listeners, man, I don't like Chris Benoit, but Best theme song ever. Go go kill the rest of the show, y'all. I'm crying, yo. No problem. Sure. But actually, that's crazy because with that, that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope everyone enjoyed. This was a fun episode. Coming up with these lists was very fun to make. And I just want to say I really appreciate everyone that's been listening, everybody that's been tapping in. I really appreciate it. Like, this is the numbers have been doing pretty well through and this is just this is just our third our third episode and we've been doing pretty well so i just want to say thank you guys please continue supporting and leave leave us a review on apple podcast like don't just rate it like give us an actual review like tell us what you like what you don't like what things that you want to see from us and we will see you guys next week